1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. So we're still in this series on <clears throat> faith and prayer. Let's pick up in <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. Few believers <clears throat> have a renewed mind. And uh, I have to confess that I'm working on this all the time myself. So when I say few believers have a renewed mind, I'm not trying to say y'all. I'm saying this is something we have to work at. And the reason is because uh, we, we've, been, we've already been baptized in the world. You know, we got public schools. I'm a product of public schools. But, of course, that was back before all the indoctrination. And uh, then we have the news, and we got the media. We got social media. So we almost have to work double in our generation to renew our mind to the Word of God. And consequently, only a few believers ever get into the deep things of God, and only a few believers have the joy of walking in answered prayer. Ephesians 1.3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. What tense is that? Past tense. Has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So whether we know it or not, whether we walk in it or not, every believer has already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, for me, this is a life changer. This is it. Because once you see this, everything changes. Totally everything changes. Because, of course, we want to tell ourselves that so-and-so is special. But that's a lie. How many, how many here this evening have more than one child? Let me see your hand if you have more than one child. Well, do you love any of them more than the others? How many of you here tonight have more than one grandchild? Let me see your hand. You have more than one grandchild. Well, do you love, you love one of them more than the others? Well, would we think God loves one of his children more than the others? And I think what helped me get revelation on this 25 years ago or so uh, we used to watch Fred Price every Friday night. And I don't remember the series he was in, but he was mocking this concept. And he said, oh, I know, I know, I know. I'm special. And he spent the whole message mocking that. Because, of course, we all know that, we, I mean, we don't want to believe that, but we want to use it as an excuse. But look at what the Word says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. It doesn't say he's blessed me, Paul. It doesn't say he's blessed us, the apostles. He has blessed us, believers, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So once I saw that, and this was probably 35 years back, once I saw that, well, then I saw that the only limitation on what I could receive from God was me. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't God. It was me. It was up to me. And uh, once I came to that revelation, well, then I 
Just went about doing what I had to do to figure it out, to get my prayers answered. But we've already been blessed. You know, sometimes I'm reluctant to go down certain roads because you have to understand that I, I live in two worlds simultaneously. I live in two worlds simultaneously. So Friday morning after Thanksgiving, I wake up and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, as it was in the days of Noah. So I go into my office and I look it up and I read the passage. They're eating, drinking, giving in marriage. They're just carrying on, you know, hoorah. And then it reads, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. But then on the flip side of that, the other world I live in, Sunday, I'm standing there in the kitchen next to the island. One of the grandchildren asked for something. I don't remember which one or what they were asking for. And I said, because I'm a grandpa. See, I'm not the daddy now. I'm the grandpa. I said, you can have anything you want. <laughs> and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, and you're just a man. Can you see that? See, we, we haven't even really gotten a hold of who he is as father and who we are as his children. But part of that is people, you know, just playing games, just, you know, carrying on like. When I was a young man, I used to wonder if I lived to the end, if I would be able to see the signs of the times. Well, now I'm there. And it doesn't seem like hardly anybody sees the signs. But a blind man could see this. You know, there's countries right now implementing microchip vaccine passports. And I'm, this is not a conspiracy theory from, you know, the dark web. This is, this is uh, news, you know, uh, mainstream media news. So I'm not saying that that's the mark of the beast. What I'm saying is, they're knocking on the door and the technology's here. Amen. So, you know, a blind man could see this is the end times. And yet people just keep carrying on like uh, people that used to be in this church. Let's say, you know, figuring vacations, whatever. People that used to be in this church, let's say 90 times a year. A lot of those people are in this church now 30, 35 times a year. A lot of people that used to be here nearly four Sundays a month are now here maybe two, two, two and a half Sundays a month. And people just don't get it. See, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And then... I sent this to some folks here a while back. No. Not forsaking, Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I'm getting ready to come over here tonight. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, 
anyone who had anything to do with closing churches will pay the price forever. You see, if we were taking action on the Word of God, we'd be more sober. But people don't seem more sober. If we were taking action on the Word of God, we'd be, people would be, we'd be more diligent, but it doesn't seem like people are more diligent. If we were taking action on the Word of God, we'd be in church more, not less. Now, I'm not talking about when you're on vacation. You know, heck, I understand that. You know, I need to decompress... Well, however much you need to decompress, multiply that times two. That's how much I need to decompress. Amen. Amen. And uh, so I understand that. But I'm saying to be in the house of the Lord. Why? To hear. See, this is part of renewing the mind. Because we got, we got the social media out there. We got the media out there. We got Dr. Frankenstein. And, you know, he just won't shut up. Amen. And we got all this going on. So we have to counterbalance the negative with the positive, and the best positive is the Word of God. So let's talk about this believer. Only when his mind is renewed by the Word of God on the basis of his sonship rights can the believer take his place as a son. I think that's what God was inferring. Sunday when he said, and you're just a man. We have not even begun to believe God, to see what would happen if we would believe God. Only when his mind is renewed by the word of God can the believer enjoy a son's rights and privileges. Only when his mind is renewed by the word of God can the believer assume a son's responsibility, and step into all the riches of the grace of God. And this comes when a man or a woman loses their sin consciousness, their sense of inferiority, their sense of inferiority. And he never does this until he knows about righteousness. And so that's where I left off. Then Austin, or... Was it Aaron picked up on that? Righteousness, the church is so woefully ignorant of righteousness. And the church thinks righteousness only means doing good things, doing good deeds. But in the Pauline revelation, righteousness means the ability to stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt or inferiority or sin and to stand in the presence of God like Jesus stood in the presence of God. Now that's... That, that was even hard for me to get out of my mouth because, see, we're, we're programmed against that. But we don't stand before Father God in our righteousness. Somebody would protest, say, well, you know, the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Well, you're exactly right. That's what the book of Isaiah says. But we're not going to God in our righteousness. We're going to God in the righteousness of Christ. We're going to God in the name of Jesus. So right here, right now, we can have a sweet fellowship and communion with Father God just like Jesus did in his earth walk. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Hence the phrase, the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, let's talk about 
the new versus the old. There was nothing perfect about the old covenant. I'm, I'm in the book of uh, Deuteronomy now for the third time this year, and I just came through uh, Leviticus. Oh, my gosh, you know, pigeons and doves and goats and, oh, brother. But it was imperfect. It was imperfect because it was all based on something temporary. See, the blood of animals cannot wash away sins. It could only cover over sins. And that's why the righteous dead back then did not go into the presence of God. They went into a place called paradise and they waited for the one who was called Shiloh. That's what the book of Ephesians means when it says that he preached to the spirits in prison and he led captivity captive. He spent three days in hell. He took the keys of death and hell away from Satan. He went into the paradise compartment. He told them, I'm the one that was prophesied. I'm Shiloh. And they believed, of course. And he led captivity captive, and they're not in the bowels of the earth anymore. They're in the presence of God. And there were so many people going to hell that hell had to be remodeled, and the space that was paradise has now been taken over by hell. There's no paradise in the bowels of the earth anymore. And the righteous dead no longer go there. They go directly into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because their sins are not covered over by the blood of bulls and goats and rams. Their sins are washed away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.25, the high priest enters the most holy room every year. He enters with blood that is not his own, but Christ did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again. See, it wasn't a repeated action. If he had, he would have had to suffer many times since the world was created. But now he has appeared once and for all time. He has come at the end of the ages to do away with sin. He has done that by offering himself. Now, a lot of people don't even seem to have which, what to me would be an elementary understanding. And if you'll understand one thing, it'll help you that when you read about Daniel's 70 weeks, when you read about these prophecies in the Old Testament, even when you read the four Gospels, all of that has to do with God's dealings with Israel, the descendants of Abraham. Then there is a parenthetical time frame called the times of the Gentiles. And that's where we are. And that's why when Jesus was talking about end times and he just made it sound like it could be tomorrow because we're in this time of the Gentiles. And Jesus talked about this over and over and over about inviting guests to the wedding feast and they won't come. So he sends the servants out to the highways and the byways to just invite anybody to the wedding feast. But you still got to come dressed. And so we're in that times of the Gentiles. Jesus himself said that salvation is of the Jews. So we, we are in this time frame where, where it's also called the age of grace, where we who are not natural descendants of Abraham become spiritual descendants of Abraham by putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It qualifies us. And now we're in a situation where everybody assumes that'll go on forever. It will not. As surely as every other age came to an end, this age will come to an end. 
You see, the doors are open. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The doors are open. The invitation's open. <laughs> and yet, in the signs in the sky, the signs in the news, uh, it, it should tell us, it should scream at us that the, this age is coming to an end. And the doors are going to shut. There's not one time, all of those bowls, all the angels, all the vials, all the judgments in the book of Revelation, there's not one time in the book of Revelation it says anybody repented. Not once. You get over to about chapter 20, I think it is, and it specifically says that in spite of all this, the people of the earth did not repent. So this age is coming to an end, and I think part of what's going on right now is, is a separation. I think it's a separation. You got Jesus believers, you got Fauci believers, you got Pfizer believers, you got Trump believers, you got, you got all, all this going on. Now, I'm not saying you can't be for somebody, but I'm not going to worship them. You understand? Just like I can be against somebody and not do any harm to them. But I'm not going to bow down to any ideology or personality. I think we're in a time of choosing. I think we're in a time of what ought to be a time of sobriety, but I don't see it. So he says to me on Sunday, and you're just a man. See, we ought to be pressing in. The body of Christ, we, the body of Christ, new creations in Christ, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we should be pushing the envelope on who we are. We should be pushing the envelope on signs, wonders, miracles. We should be pushing the envelope on what can Jesus do in the, the weeks, the months, the years that I have left on this planet. We should be pushing the envelope to see what God will do. Not carrying on like it's the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. Amen. But now he has appeared once for all time. Hebrews 10, verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and does his special duties. He offers the same sacrifices again and again, but they can never take away sins. See, Paul says, they can never take away sins. Jesus, our priest, offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. Then he sat down at the right hand of God. What's the significance of him sitting down? Well, his work was done. You don't sit down until your work is done. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be put under his control. By that one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The language of the New Testament, especially if you get a, a good translation into English, you know, not something that's antiquated and not something that's just a bunch of nonsense. A lot of these translations are nothing but nonsense. One of them, I, I, I'm not going to say which translation because I might remember incorrectly, but one of them doesn't even have the word blood in the New Testament. Well, since salvation comes by the shedding of blood, it seems kind of ridiculous to have a translation of the Bible that doesn't even have the word blood in the New Testament. Amen. And you know what? You understand that's not a translation. That's a theological prejudice. Amen. 
By that one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The language is fascinating. Being made holy is a present participle. It means it's a continuous, ongoing action. I could ask the question tonight, don't raise your hand, how many people have not sinned in the last five minutes? And, you know, we'd have a show of hands. I could ask how many people have not sinned in the last five hours, and we'd have a show of hands. But if I ask who has not sinned in the last five months and somebody raised their hand, well, then we know who the liars are. <laughs> Do you understand? See, we, it's a process. We are being made holy. And it's a process that we have to cooperate with. Jesus put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You know, there's so many things that we, we don't really get into because they're not simple. The whole idea, for example, you understand this, the whole idea of uh, freedom being free, liberty being free, that's ridiculous. How many wars were fought so we can sit here tonight and teach God's word? But the same concept applies to salvation. Well, you know, it's, salvation is free. Well, no, it's not. A horrible price was paid. See, it's not like God waved a magic wand and forgave you of your sins. The truth of it, the reality is that he loved us so much, he he paid the price himself. An astounding thing to do. Paul writes about this, that none of us would lay down our life for, we might lay down our life for someone we knew, but none of us would lay down our life for somebody we didn't know. But think about it. Jesus not only did that, he laid down his life for people that hadn't even been born yet. God, God took the penalty. And that's the reason why it's so wrong to be flippant about sin that it doesn't matter, you know, because, you know, God will forgive no matter what. Well, that's not really correct. I mean, we just read Ephesians 1.3 that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Is that true? Yes. Is that Bible? Yes. Is everybody walking in it? No. Same thing with salvation. Is that true? Yes. Is it for all of us? Yes. Is everybody walking in it? No. So we have to appropriate what the Word of God says even about us. By the sacrifice of himself, he made remission of sins possible. What does remission mean? You know, uh, you, you may not even, younger people won't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, the older folks, God bless you, you'll, you'll, you'll remember this phrase, remittance envelope. You know, I got a bill the other day from a credit card company. I was irritated because they didn't give me an envelope. And that's the whole new thing. You know, we're not going to give you nothing. You know, you're just supposed to go online and take care of it. Well, there's certain things where I want to send a check. And in the old days, for the sake of the youngsters, in the old days, you'd get a bill and there would be a, a portion you might tear off. And then inside of the envelope, there would be what was called a remittance envelope. 
and you write your check, you stick it in there with the, the tear-off part of the bill, and you put it in the remittance envelope, put a stamp in it, what happens? It is sent away. So the remission of sins. We baptize people unto the remission of sins. What does that mean? Our sins are sent away. Even in the Old Testament, God says, I will separate you from your sins as far as the east is from the west. Even in the Old Testament, God says, I will take your sins and I will cast them in the depths of the ocean, never to be remembered again. All of this goes back to it was a, a typology. It was a, a, a visual aid in the Old Testament. I just read it, I think, last night or the night before that when they, when they made atonement for the sins of the people, they would sacrifice one of the goats and the other goat they would lay hands on and then they would send it out in the, into the desert, hence the term scapegoat. And the, it was a picture, it was a... Uh, a typographical picture of their sins being sent away. They laid their hands on the animal. The idea was transferring their sins to the animal, and then they turn it loose in the desert. It goes away. It's remitted. Our sins have been remitted, and yet people insist on carrying them. So the new creation is to be free from sin consciousness so that the believer is no longer held in bondage to Satan's condemnation. See, it's bad enough that we have the devil to remind us of our shortcomings, but a lot of people don't even need the devil to remind them of their shortcomings because they have other believers. Romans 8, 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So the law of sin and the law of death are no longer operative in my life. In my life, I have the law of life Amen. operative in my life. It is God who justifies us through the blood of his own son. Romans 8 verse 33, who can bring any charge against God's chosen ones? God makes us right with himself. And this, these are not new concepts. I just read this last night in Leviticus. Even in the Old Testament, God says, I make you right. See, we can't earn it or deserve it, but we can cooperate with it. But you can't, how can you cooperate with it, though, if you can't see it? It's a vision thing. We have to see it. We have to see it. And let me tell you what, this is why it's so wrong to go around judging people because as, as experienced as I am, I've been preaching the gospel 48 years, and uh, <laughs> even with my gifts, if I stood out here and predicted who would be an action taker on the word of God and who would forcefully advance in the kingdom of God and who would falter and fail. I'd miss it all the time. You can't, there's no way to know because somebody can come in here, man, and uh, they're on drugs and their wife's on drugs, but you give them 20 years and take an action on the word of God, 
and, and they'll be all in and their children will be sweet little darlings and they'll be big, some of the biggest givers in the place. And then you can, you can take somebody else that, you know, you would make book on them and, and they won't last 10 days. You can't, you can't predict it. And the reason is because it's what God warned Samuel about when he wanted to pick Eliab, the oldest brother, the tallest brother, the handsome brother. And the Lord warned him, don't, don't judge like men judge. Don't look at the outward appearance. And the problem is we can't see the heart. We don't know what's going You don't know what's going on in somebody's mind, let alone in their heart. I mean, just in the last 30 days, how many of you, how many of you have thought, you know, dealing with people out here in the world, what the heck is wrong with you? You know, you don't know what's going on inside of somebody. Amen. And then... People, it seems like, with not very much potential at all, they just have a heart. They just have a heart. Man, they're going to hear the word. They're going to believe the word. They're going to take action on the word. And you let a decade or two or three go by, you can't believe what God has done. Amen. And then there's other people, and they make the, they make the right noises, you know, and they, they say hallelujah at the right time and amen at the right time, and, and they make the right noises. But somehow, you know, they're like that tree in the yard that's just a runt. They're like the bush that never grows. They're like the patch in the yard that you put sod on five times and the sod always goes away over three or four years. It just dissipates into nothing. You can't even identify what it is. I believe it's the heart. I believe it's the heart. Jesus in his parable of the sower talked about that, the seed on the rocky soil and the seed, uh, the seed on the... Uh, that, that fell among weeds and the different kinds of seed and the different kinds of soil. But there was a soil that that last one had a noble and a good heart. And he produced. People have got so much so backwards. 93-year-old retired missionary called. What a story. When, when I was invited to Africa to teach at the East Africa School of Theology in 1982, the reason was the East Africa School of Theology in Nairobi, even back then, was granting bachelor degrees. And by law in Kenya, any institution granting bachelor degrees, the least education an instructor could have was a master's degree of, what do you call it? Not certified accredited master's degree and we were in a denomination in those years and there weren't that many floating around and so I got the invitation we went and because of the man who invited us his wife was connected and then my home pastor because of who he was he was connected you know we got our approval within three days four days five days and unbeknownst to us, none of this was run by the guy that was the head missionary for all of East Africa. And so we didn't know it, but when we got there, we walked right into a political turf battle. 1982, so we would have been, what, 31 years old? Is that right? No, 26 years old. No point asking Sue about math. God bless you, I love you. <laughs> She's nodding, you know, 45... <laughs> 
And so we, we were promised by this missionary that I'd live on, we would live on campus and we'd be given a car to drive. Oh, and that we would be, because I told him, I said, the only reason I would go and agree to do this, I want to help you, but I want to go out and preach where Christ has not been preached and I want to go out and pioneer churches. They agreed to that. And I get there and then because of the turf battle, didn't have anything to do with us. Turf battle between powerful men. And the head of the organization for all of East Africa said, you'll not, be, you'll not live on campus. He took us himself and showed us an apartment way off yonder. And uh, you'll not live on campus and you won't have a car. And no, you will not be allowed to go out and preach out the bush and pioneer churches. And I held my tongue. I went back to the apartment. Sue said, what are we going to do? I said, well, we're just going to believe God. And uh, we're going to do what's right and, and act right and talk right and, and uh, set a good example. But I said, I also know that I've got an American Express card in my wallet and I can leave anytime I want. <clears throat> by and by, he found out I could play guitar. So he had me lead praise and worship at all the missionary gatherings. She told us today, 93 years old, her, her husband passed away 24 years ago, uh, that when they were in a plane crash in, there in Africa in 1983, that uh, Sue was the only person that took them food. A few days before we left Africa, the same guy, the same guy, came over and met with me, and he said, he said, uh, I want you to stay. He said, what do I have to do to get you to stay? Same guy. He said, I'll give you the biggest church in East Africa. He said, the biggest church in East Africa is in Malawi. He said, he said say the word. He said, you're the pastor. No, I can't. I, I feel like I got to go home and pioneer a church. It's, I just feel in my heart that's what God wants me to do. He said, well, he said, I'll make you a missionary evangelist. In that organization, there were only two per continent. You could, you could work a lifetime and not get to that position. He said, I'll make you a missionary evangelist for Africa, a whole continent. No, I said, I, I feel like I got to obey God and go back home and pioneer a church. And you know, when we pioneered this church, out of that organization and out of that group of missionaries and out of all those people we met over there, he's the only guy that ever called and checked up on us and asked how we were doing. Every time he flew through that DFW airport, he'd, you know, frugal missionary, he'd put a quarter in the phone and call us and say, how you doing? People don't even understand how it works. They don't even understand how it works. So when Sue got off the phone with her, I told Sue, I said, I said, that's all that matters. People don't even see it. You know, uh, they'll take advantage of each other. They'll talk bad about each other. You know, they just carry on like the world. They don't even understand that at the end of the day, these relationships are all we have. Yeah. 
You understand, uh, five years into eternity, the car you pulled up in tonight won't matter. The house you go home to tonight won't matter. How much you have in your retirement accounts won't matter. All the things we measure ourselves by, others by, won't matter. But those relationships and what we did, I sound so old, and what we did for the Lord, that's what's going to matter. And so, but, but, and I've been preaching the same thing all these years, but people just don't seem to get it. They, They want money for money's sake. Money is not the objective. Money is a byproduct. So when, (laughs) you know, we... We took that meal over there. Sue didn't drive in Africa, you know, because they drive on the wrong side of the road. And the car was a stick ship. And I drove her over there. She took that food... We never thought about the money. What's this going to cost us? You know, we, our income as missionaries was only $800 a month, if I remember right. But God met every need. Oh, and that, forget about it, because we had this little baby. And all you moms know how a kid can go through diapers. And there, were no, there was no official import of diapers into Kenya. So the only diapers we could get were smuggled. And they were very expensive. But God met every need. God paid every bill. Amen. And people judge me for it, I know. But you have to understand, I don't care. So, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I, I got $28,000 we're going to put in the offering here. Amen. And that's just a tithe on, you know, a few weeks. And people don't understand it. They don't get it. They think, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take advantage of my brother. I'm gonna sell him something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come to church and network. I'm gonna do all this stuff, you know. And and they don't even understand. They don't understand. They don't understand. If you don't have a right heart, even what you think you have will be taken from you. Amen. 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 We have people now coming to church and to serve as a volunteer, and then not stand for a service. What are they thinking? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So I guess they just think Gene and Sue are special, we're just special, you know, and, and God just opened up. I mean, literally, I am like the tabernacle of Moses, and there's a cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night, and, and God just follows me around and, and blesses me, I mean, you don't want to believe that. It's ridiculous, but then also, where does that leave you? There's a method to following God. There's a, there's a method to, to, to not just following God. See, and the reason I'm on this is the body of Christ today, I think, well, number one, nobody's thinking about righteousness. Nobody's teaching. Number one, how can you teach about righteousness, all you preachers out there, if you're not even holding church. And I understand, I understand. We had a brother in Canada put in jail for holding church, so I understand. But, you know, at least, you know, shave, blow dry, get cleaned up, and then do church online. And in other words, 
don't just spend your life in your jammies waiting for the Antichrist to show up. I hear him some mornings now when I walk out the front door thanking me and I tell him you don't have to thank me it's my joy I'm so happy everything he asked me to do I'm happy it's my joy it's a privilege it's an honor my God, for a, a man, for a human being to walk with God. What a privilege and what an honor. But if you don't see, you know, he's correcting me while I'm speaking. Is it a matter of vision or is it a matter of the heart? A heart, a heart that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be of service to the king. I'm going to live for the king. I'm going to joyfully follow his instructions and his commandments. Number one, I'm a smart person, so I see that it's for my good. But then number two, because I love him. Amen. And I want to honor him. And I want to honor his word. And then, then it doesn't happen in a day, doesn't happen in a week, doesn't happen in a month. But you get a, we get a ways down the road and you think, oh my gosh, look at all these blessings. My gosh, look at all this, these blessings. You can't even believe it. You can't even believe how far God has brought you. It really grieves me to hear about people taking advantage of each other, using each other. Listen, what has power with God is acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. And it all flows out of a, a heart. And this is the thing that's on my mind because I don't know how you have a right heart if you're not in church. So this lady, 93 years old, because they were from is it Minnesota? They're from Minnesota. Well, you know, she's not been in church since COVID. You know, and I wanted to tell her, I wanted to get on the phone and say, come to Texas, we're all in church all the time. But you know, she's 93 years old. I want you to see it. And when it's all done, when it's all wrapped up, when it's all over, the only thing that's going to matter is what we did for the Lord. Amen. And when you help in the nursery or you help in children's church or, you know, I've never met him, but I only know of one full gospel billionaire, but Tiff Shuttlesworth says he still serves as a parking lot greeter for his little Assembly of God church in Oklahoma. That's a right heart. Amen. That a guy could be that wealthy. And part of him having his mind right is he's still in Oklahoma, didn't move to New York City. <laughs> or how about this, didn't move to Austin. Amen. You know, stayed out there where it's real. No, I live in two worlds at once. I'm standing here right now. 
but my spirit man is seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. If you're born again, your spirit man is seated with him right now. So we can't let fear rule us. We can't believe one lie coming out of their mouth. And it's one lie after the other. You know, I, I was writing the message for Friday morning, I think it was, the married couples retreat. And uh, in the notes was the word transgender and Microsoft 2010 didn't recognize the word. That's all you need to know about how much of this is hooey. Yeah. In other words, somebody made up the word since 2010. Amen. You type in the word love, you're not going to get a misspell note. You type in the word honor, duty, loyalty, faithfulness, self-reliance. How about that? How about, how about the big one, personal responsibility? In other words, any old school concepts, it's not going to say, what is this word? But it's the stuff they make up. That alone should tell us. They're just making it up as they go. Sotomayor said today, it doesn't matter if a fetus feels pain when you abort it. She's going to have a million years to test that theory in hell. Actually, a million years, you're not even getting started. All we have at the end of the day is each other and what we did for the Lord. Money, money's a byproduct. You've heard me tell the story over and over and over or use the illustration, Deuteronomy 8.18, but remember the Lord your God I've got different translations floating around in my head. And let's open to do. If you have a Bible, open it up to Deuteronomy eight eighteen, and we'll quit here. Oh my gosh, I can't quit there because I got my eyes just hit verse ten. Deuteronomy twenty eight was always my favorite chapter of Deuteronomy, but John Osteen's favorite chapter in Deuteronomy was eight, verse ten. When you have eaten and are satisfied. Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget. This is what America did. That you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and that tells you the will of God was fine houses. And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, that right there tells you the will of God is for your silver and gold to increase. And all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you will, be, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty, waterless, waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known to humble and to test you. See, that's what, that's what the blessings of God are, to humble you and to test you. 
so that in the end it might go well with you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You might say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, not mooch wealth, the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. So the covenant is not the prosperity. The covenant, the prosperity is simply a sign. That's all it is. It's a sign that you're on the right road. That's all it is. But it's not the covenant. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Father God. I give you the credit, the glory, and the honor for everything I have done and everything I have accomplished because these are your works, Father God, and all I have done is cooperate. I love you, and I love your word. I love your house, and I love the place where your glory dwells. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us, and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again, and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.